Lindsay, you got to slow down. I'm not a doctor here. There's no Victoria. There's no Thomas either. Then who's going to do the barristing? Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch, the show that was not made up by a dude. Ha! You're right. It was made up by me and my friend Chelsea on a very long road trip. And who are you? <laughs> I'm Lindsay Tucker. I am uh, the co-host of this show. I'm a writer and researcher and every time I introduce myself, you find it hilarious. I do because it's like you're saying your name for the first time ever. <laughs> Well, and I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I have said my name numerous times on this show, and here it is again, Aviv Rubenstein. Hello. How are Hello. you, Aviv? I'm doing well. I spent the weekend in San Francisco recording some music. Cool. I yeah. love San Francisco. Love San Francisco. I was in Oakland. Big shout out to Jack Shirley and Atomic Monster Studio. And maybe the songs will come out good enough to be on Lyrics for Lunch one day. That would be Long great. after I'm dead. <laughs> Please don't die. <laughs> Too late. All right. So, what are we talking about today? Today, how are you, Lindsay? You ask oh, me. I'm great. How? I'm just dandy. I'm closing on a house, another house this week. Ooh, look at you. On Thursday. Excellent. Excellent. Make sure the internet's good at your new house so we can keep doing this show. I know. I need to set that up. Big news, listeners. Before we talk about what we're doing today. Big news is we are, this is the last time that you will hear or watch Lyrics for Lunch on a Friday, unless that's when you like to do it. Which is fine. Which is also okay. We'll still be here for you on Fridays. Because we are switching our release day. We're going to release on Tuesdays from now on, starting with episode 76, which is next week. So you will miss uh you'll there will be like a 10 day gap between episodes instead of a seven day gap and then you will hear us on our new days on tuesdays also for our um youtube podcast on vivo watchers all of our back episodes will soon be up and we're gonna do like a two a week release sort of deal for the next year to uh to get you all caught up on our old episodes for those of you who listen on your podcatcher apps these are the same episodes. But listen again. Watch them. Yeah. I had to go back and listen to them when I was uh, preparing them for this transfer. And they're funny. They're very funny. Yeah. I always like to revisit my old episodes. And then I'm like, damn, we did good. We did good. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about a song that we've been, f- you, you and I have kind of been talking about doing for a, a few months now, which is Victoria's Secret by the singer Jax. Yeah. And who is Jax? Jax was a contestant on American Idol, I believe, mm-hmm. yep. and she was in like the top, I don't think the top five or so, and didn't really like the music industry game that American Idol kind of spits you out into playing, um, created an amazing TikTok presence, and you will have heard one of her songs on this show before she did teenage dirtbag from noelle's perspective so we've gone out on jacks one or maybe two times in this in this uh show before 
Yeah, thank you for making my job so easy. You just said everything I wrote down. I didn't have to say it. Hey, there Um, you go. (laughs) The one thing that uh, is that she took third place on season 14 of American Idol in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite or like a known song that she sang on American Idol that we should share? No, I, I didn't watch her on American Idol. I just found that out. I think she, I follow her on TikTok. She's got a great account. And um, I think she like posted like, this was me 10 years ago sort of thing. Or five years, however many years ago. And uh, she looks like a different person. The fashion was very different. Oh, yeah. Okay. Backwards. Baseball cap. It looks bedazzled, maybe. Her face is bedazzled. Oh, her face is bedazzled. And her hat's like a pixelated camo. Yeah, it's like digital camo. And she's wearing like a sequined hoodie. Friend of the show, Jennifer Lopez is judging. (laughs) And she's she can she's singing in what can only be described as cursive. She's got that kind of cursive voice that we make fun of these days for like indie indie girls singing. Who's we? I still like the culture, right? (laughs) I didn't make that up. Like people say that the singing person. We actually invited Jax to be on this show to talk about her song, Victoria's Secret, and her publicist said no. She was a little busy. Yeah, she wasn't taking interview requests at that time. And I was like, well, it's not actually, you know what, never mind. It's fine. Yeah. Um, We still love you, Jax. We miss you. (laughs) So as we've mentioned, she's had many songs that have gone viral on TikTok, but the first time that she made it into the Billboard Top 100 was in August of 22, and that is for the song Victoria's Secret. Now, do you know why Jax wrote Victoria's Secret or who she wrote it for? Uh, yes. So I think the narrative, at least, is that Jax like babysits for a girl, which she, is like a few people. I think that her babysitting is like kind of for part of her identity, right? On yeah. TikTok? So, so I I, I want to talk about Jax as like Jax the persona versus like who this person actually is because i don't know this person and like it's very important to make the distinction that like just because you follow someone on tiktok doesn't mean you actually like know who they are sure but Jax's persona is that she is like chilling in her bedroom wearing like iron maiden shirts on top of long sleeve long sleeve tees and playing at her keyboard and is just like a regular normal person so when i found out that she was on american idol i was like what the fuck yeah um <laughs> But she babysits for a girl who's like in a lot of her TikToks. I don't r- remember her name. Um, she's adorable. She has braces. She's like probably eleven. Well, it's at not this point. a comment on her appearance. Okay. She seems really smart. She does seem really smart. It seems like I think the narrative is that she wrote the song to give the girl that she babysits for like perspective in the hor- like the horrible body image stuff that she 
probably is currently experiencing and if not currently is about to like really run into as she enters like junior high and high school correct yeah so Dax, who is from new jersey i know it well believe me i know it <laughs> uh says she wrote victoria's secret for a 13 year old girl that she babysits named chelsea ah chelsea she told variety it's a really hard time in middle school. It's a really hard time in high school. I remember experiencing it in middle school, especially when my body started to change. I started to compare myself to other girls, and some girls were insecure, so they'd take it out on me, which made me insecure, and take it out on the next girl. So it was one big war zone, I guess. Sounds accurate. So I picked up Chelsea from the mall one day, and she's going to, because she's going to a this pool party. This is still Jax, right? This is still Jax. You didn't, you didn't cruise around. I wasn't cruising to pick up Chelsea, but Jax was, and she was picking her up from the mall, and she was going to a pool party, and her friends had gone bikini shopping at Victoria's Secret. Quote Jax, Chelsea literally got in the car hysterically crying to me because this one little rat said something that made me cringe. Chelsea's always telling me about things a girl said to her, her body, her ears, you name it, she's insecure about it. So I'm like, gosh, ding, ding, ding. I've been holding back on writing a song about what I've been through with my body for a very long time. It was like a light bulb. I could actually do something good here for these kids. So let's listen to Victoria's Secret. God, I wish somebody would have told me when I was younger that all bodies aren't the same. Photoshop, bitty bitty models on magazine covers told me I was overweight. I stopped eating. What a bummer. Can't have carbs and a girl summer. If I could go back and tell myself when I was younger, I'd say, Psst. I know Victoria's Secret. So this song is, well, at time of research starting, I guess, last week, was still charting. Really? Yeah. Like in the top 50. I have heard it on the radio before, which is interesting for like a a song that, for all the, all intents and purposes, is like a TikTok song. Yeah. So for our audio only listeners, the video is like a live Facetune Photoshop situation of a picture of Jax and like leggings and a what is what would you call that top? The top, her bra. Her is that a bra? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So they're making her waist smaller, her butt bigger, boobs bigger. They're just kind of arms and legs skinnier. Yeah. Made up by the I know Victoria's secret Girl, 
Okay, let's do a quick read through of the lyrics um, for anyone who wasn't watching. Sure. Yeah, the, it's like a lyric video. God, I wish somebody would have told me when I was younger that all bodies aren't the same. Photoshop, itty-bitty models on magazine covers told me I was overweight. I stopped eating. What a bummer. Can't have carbs in a hot girl summer. If I could go back and tell myself when I was younger, I'd say, Psst. I know Victoria's secret, and girl, you wouldn't believe. She's an old man who lives in Ohio, making money off of girls like me. Cashing in on body issues, selling skin and bones with big boobs. I know Victoria's secret. She was made up by a dude. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I wish somebody told me that thighs of thunder meant normal human thighs. The fucking pressure I was under to lose my appetite and fight the cellulite with hunger games like every night. If I could go back and tell myself when I was younger, I'd say, Hey, dummy, I know Victoria's secret. Girl, you wouldn't believe. She's an old man who lives in Ohio, making money off of girls like me. Cashing in on body issues, selling skin and bones with big boobs. I know Victoria's secret. She was made up by a dude. And then the the it, it, the big finishes. I know Victoria's secret. She was never made for me and you. Right. Okay. Thoughts? Prayers? Thoughts, prayers, I think the song is like endlessly catchy. It was, it's interesting because um, with TikTok, it feels like you're you're a little bit closer to like the writing process, right? Like a big part of TikTok songwriters are like, I just made this up. What do you think? And so I was never in love with the like, the dude hook. Because like dude is not a a pleasant word to like (laughs) sing. But I think it really... um, comes together with like me and you at the end right like mm-hmm. it's it's all set up for that ending so i think it's it's pretty good but very super duper catchy song i will i will hear it in my sleep periodically <laughs> yeah there's a story that dustin Timberlake sells about the so tells about the social network of the guy who started victoria's secret to, because he was embarrassed buying underwear for his wife and then he yeah. like sold his company low and then killed himself about it so that guy's name is Roy Raymond. Victoria's Secret was founded in 1977 by American businessman Roy Raymond. And the story is what you just said. He felt embarrassed that he had to buy lingerie for his wife or yeah, do, but whatever. He felt embarrassed doing it. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to create a place where, quote, men felt comfortable. Like so much for me to unpack there. Like why did he feel uncomfortable in a department store? Why do men feel that they need to feel a certain way? To be in another safe, like, how many safe spaces do you need to feel pampered? I, I just, well, just... Just one more. <laughs> just one more? Just one more. Like, why was he embarrassed to purchase underwear for his wife? I think if I can put myself in his shoes for a second, the embarrassment might be of, like, how little he knew about what underwear women wore, like... All right, so you're saying you think that he just knew so little about women's underwear that he felt embarrassed. Yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine that that's, I don't know. I truly don't know. I don't either. Either way, he created this store. I saw some images of it. It didn't really look much different than a department store to me at that time. And it wasn't doing very well. Things, they're all owned and or started by the same guy. Or bought eventually, yeah. So at this time, though, Les Wexner is a businessman. He's got the limited. He's watching Victoria's Secret, and it's not 
it's not doing good. It's facing okay. bankruptcy. So he buys it for $1 million in 1982 Jeez. when it's just a small failing chain of lingerie shops in San Francisco. It feels weird to even think of Victoria's Secret as a small chain of failing shops in San Francisco. It does, right? It's like, oh, McDonald's was on the outs. <laughs> it's not doing so good. Um, and so Les said that his idea for Victoria's Secret was a women's paradise. Men can shop there, sure, but they should feel uncomfortable in the store. Quote, Hmm. everything that goes into the design of the store is all from the lady's point of view. It has nothing to do with men, he said. He'd read the book Making Movies by Sidney Lumet, and he tells Gay, Roy's wife, so these are the two founders, that they need to invent a story to sell their brand around. So they're still, Gay and Roy are still involved in the business. Just owned by Les now. Okay. And so Les invents a story about a mythical woman founder named... Victoria. Victoria. Um, And Gay, in the docuseries Angels and Demons... Oh, I've seen that movie with Tom Hanks. (laughs) There is a Hulu docuseries called Angels and Demons, blah, 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 something probably about misogyny i don't know great i know it's down somewhere in my notes i'll remind you guys later um but in this docuseries she said victoria was refined aspirational and english oh victoria so they show a internal video that was used for employees that was like the welcome video or whatever yeah like Learn the brand. Watch mm-hmm. this video. And this is the quote I transcribed from it. I am Victoria Stewart White. This spring, I shall turn 36 years old. Father taught me about business, but mother was determined that I develop my soul, my passion, and my femininity. Mother was passionate, a fiery Frenchwoman with a quick temper and a healthy disrespect for the English and their stodgy ways. She used to tease father about everything. I hate this. <laughs> This is horrible. Victoria's husband, Thomas, was a barrister. Like, Great. this is all fake. But no, people no thought shit. she was real. This is... this is. <laughs> wait, Lindsay, you gotta slow down. I'm not a doctor here. There's no Victoria? There's no Thomas either. Then who's gonna do the barristing? <laughs> but Gay remembers, like, new a new assistant buyer coming in one day and being like when do we get to meet victoria so the story was extremely powerful and people are extremely dumb yeah and so gay said that as soon as they shifted to this english businesswoman image the business skyrocketed i fucking hate this in 1987 the volume of the business was three million in 2000 when gay left it was just shy of one billion oh my god Okay, but this also reminds me of, like, the Barbie thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Barbie's origins were, like, kind of this weird German stag party doll. And they're like, no, no, this is the story, right? The story is as important as the product. Yeah, you need the story, the feeling, the... That's what people can relate to. So, I don't know if you remember this, but the Victoria... You probably... Got your hands on a few Victoria's Secret catalogs in your day. I, I okay. <laughs> let's 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 take a let's take a pause here. What are you implying? 
Well, I just wanted to talk about the catalog and how successful it was. And I remember getting it and it had everything in it. I mean, I got my winter coat from Victoria's Secret. I got all my bathing suits from Victoria's Secret. I got sweaters from Victoria's Secret. It wasn't just the underwear. Yeah, I remember in when when we were in high school, people would wear the pink Mm. branded sweatpants a lot, which is Victoria's Secret, right? That's Victoria's Secret, like Junior Line, which we'll talk about later because it's a right. bit problematic. Oh no, shit! <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I, I guess I always kind of knew that they sold other things, mm-hmm. um, but I never, despite your implications, never like leafed through a Victoria's Secret catalog. Thank you right. very much. Well, okay. So you missed out. I certainly it was. Did. It had a high production value. And Les at this time said that the me- the mental model of the Victoria's Secret catalog and Victoria's Secret brand image was Ralph Lauren. Okay. Journalist Noah Colwyn, co-host of the Blowback podcast, he said to a generation of American Jews like Les Wexner, Ralph Lauren was a story of remaking oneself into the kinds of people who belong at golf clubs. You know, these other sorts of ritzy places where Jews in America once a upon a time we're barred from yeah there's a good um i think it's a uh maintenance phase podcast or maybe a you're wrong about about the history of ralph Lauren. it's quite Whoa. interesting i haven't yeah. heard that one it's good any highlights you want to share um basically the some of the things that you were saying and like he just always knew that he wanted to be a fashionista and like he his name is like Ralph Lipschitz or something. Mm. And he just like decided to call himself Ralph Loren, like from a young age. He was like, he was like in high school and he's just like, call me Ralph Loren, which is no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, Les Wexner had a similar ideology. Um, he said of himself that he wasn't sure if he was lower middle class or upper lower class growing up, but he wanted an aspirational lifestyle. I mean, most American people do. Dream, baby. But in Columbus, Ohio, where he grew up, it was pretty waspy. Mm -hmm. Um, He said when he was 14, his dad got fired. And that really stuck with him. Like he was like, that's never going to happen to me. I'm not going to let I'm not going to work for anybody ever. So so they can't fire me. Yeah. Um, But his dad in the after he is fired, he ends up starting his own company, which is called Leslie's named after his son. Les Mm. Leslie. And Les starts working there, and this is a department store of sorts. And is it kids? Is it like kids stuff, or it's just named after his son? It just named Leslie's. Okay. It's like Macy's, basically. Sure. Um, and so Les starts noticing that the women's sportswear is their best-selling merchandise, and he goes to his dad, and he's like, "Yay, we should start a store specifically for women's sportswear." And his dad was like, "You're an idiot. You will never <laughs> be a successful merchant." Department stores, departments. (laughs) So Les borrows $5,000 from his aunt and he opens up his own store and he named it The Limited. Because it's limited in what it sells. I guess. I guess. But also like way to start a competing business to your father's store, which is named after you. Yeah. Well, his dad kind of shunned his idea, so he took matters into his own hands. I get it. And three years later, his parents closed Leslie's, and they went to work at The Limited. Fuck yeah. <laughs> the job, Limited was Leslie. a huge success. I think you should like slow your roll on your Leslie support. Nope, I'm all in on Leslie. <laughs> I don't think he's done anything wrong in his entire life. 
Okay. You can mark my words. <laughs> By the time he was 30 years old, he's a multimillionaire. Jeez. And as I was telling you before, he grew his brands to dominate mall retail. He literally invented fast fashion. He's been called oh, the Merlin of the mall. <laughs> the sweatshop Dumbledore. Uh-huh. Uh, so he took the high fashion formula and made it accessible to the mainstream. So it was only inevitable that they would have a... Underwear section. Underwear fashion show. Oh, God. Why? So this is like 1995-ish, the first Victoria's Secret fashion show. And it, it's a little bit different than other fashion shows because the models are wearing... Underwear. underwear. Okay, I didn't realize this was a call and response podcast. <laughs> Underwear. Get on board. Yeah. Um, and so usually when you go look at a fashion show, like who do you see in the front row? Like Anna Wintour. Yeah. But Famous people, Jared Leto. At Victoria's Secret fashion shows. Just like horny dudes. A lot of drooling guys. Ugh. Um, a lot Didn't of the models. they do like a football thing? They did like oh, a, yeah. they You were going to talk coming. about. That's oh, coming. That's um, <laughs> Some yeah, plenty of models have come forward and admitted like how the fashion show like gave them such bad anxiety. They would cry afterwards. It was definitely a far cry from the female empowerment they were pretending to sell. Yeah, I don't think that they ever really like uh, committed to that. <laughs> the female empowerment. Yeah, yeah, because what they actually were selling was starvation, sex, sweatshops, and slave labor. Great. So I'm not going to go too deep into the sweatshop issue because we would be here literally all week, but this is highly documented online if you're interested. I will read a few highlights from a 2011 report on the conditions at a Victoria's Secret production facility in Jordan. DK Garments is a subcontract factory with 150 foreign guest workers, 135 from Bangladesh and 15 from Sri Lanka. It's been producing Victoria's Secret garments for the last year. None of the workers have been provided their necessary residency permits, without which they cannot venture outside the industrial park without fear of being stopped by the police and imprisoned for lack of proper documents. The Victoria's Secret workers toil 14 to 15 hours a day from 7 a.m. to 9 or 10 p.m. seven days a week, receiving an average one day off every three or four months. All overtime is mandatory, and workers are routinely at the factory for 98 to 105 hours a week, working 89 to 96 hours. Treatment is very rough. Managers and supervisors scream at the foreign guest workers to move faster to complete their high production goals. Workers who fall behind on their production goals or who even have a minor error will be slapped and beaten. Despite being forced to work five or more overtime hours a day, the workers are routinely shortchanged on their legal overtime pay. Workers are allowed just 3.3 minutes to sew each $14 Victoria's Secret women's bikini, for which they are paid four cents. The workers' wages amount to less than three-tenths of 1% of the $14 retail price of the Victoria's Secret bikini. So one thing I'll say about sweatshops... A lot of time, I'll say a couple things. A lot of times, you know, as I, when I was living in Asia, we had this conversation kind of a lot, which is if, like there are sweatshop towns, like there are factory towns, right? Where like the entire town is employed via the sweatshop and like they don't want it to move because they will, then they'll starve, right? 
Um, and so it's not about like closing down these factories. It's about like pay people livable wage and treat them with human dignity. And both of those things like won't cost your company that much more money. Like it seems like right. the cruelty is the point at this at this right. level. But like why? There's no reason for it. Cause you cause you don't really have to raise prices on your dumb bras. And maybe your CEO will make ten cents, one dollar for every bra instead of a dollar twenty-five. You'll still be a fucking billionaire. Like, what are you doing? Why, why, why do this? It seems good, wholly unnecessary. Well, I think just at deep down there is a human disposition to feed off of the dehumanizing of others. Yeah, like that's just like an evil truth. And and we talk a little bit, you know, the discourse now is how capitalism is deeply rooted in racism and misogyny and mm -hmm. white supremacy. Like, this is what we're talking about, right? Like, mm -hmm. why pay people a living wage when you can just exploit brown people and not have to think about them ever? Great. So, yeah, from one horror to the next to the next. I'm still team Here less. Here I go. I think he's done nothing wrong ever. Okay. So, back in the spring of 1993... Raymond, this is a bad year for gay because Raymond dies by suicide, jumps off the Golden Gate Bridge. So this the movie The Social Network implies that this is because he was like cut out of one of the greatest business deals of all time, which is Victoria's Secret, which was his idea that he then sold. Doesn't seem like that's actually the case because they're still partial owner. They're still like involved in Victoria's Secret, right? They are still involved, and so, I know very little about Raymond's death. Yeah. Uh, 20 pages of notes did not go into that. However, dear listener, enlighten us. Yeah. It also if you're seems interested. Like, oh, no. This, this, historically, this historical fiction movie wasn't all the way accurate. Kelsey well, Priest. Right. Kelsey Priest, for sure. All right. So, spring of 93. Gay is likely mourning the death of her late husband and business partner. And she is approached by an executive and told that this executive has been informed that there's a man in New York City portraying himself as a recruiter for Victoria's Secret catalogs. Oh, Jesus. What's his name? Call and response time of the show. What's his name? Okay. Terry Richardson. Nope. Dove Charney. No. One more guess. Jeffrey Epstein. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, it's shit. It's Jeffrey really? Epstein. Holy shit. It is. So in the late 80s, Les met Jeffrey Epstein, who at the time is a college dropout, who was teaching at the prep school Dalton in New York. Wait. Wait. Say that again. Jeffrey Epstein, for the uninitiated, a college dropout who had been teaching at the prep school Dalton in New York. Stop. How does a college dropout teach at a prep school? I was just about to tell you that. He'd been hired by Donald Barr, the father of Trump AG William Barr. So Great. while he's working at Dalton, Epstein meets Ace Greenberg, who ran Bear Stearns. The investment bank. Why the fuck not? 
where Epstein would find his next job. This is where he really starts smooching people, mostly rich, influential men. Before he's forced out of Bear Stearns in 1981 for being guilty of a Regulation D violation. That's an SEC regulation that allows smaller companies to sell securities without registering with the Securities and Exchange Commission. I hate this. I hate that we're doing this. <laughs> You've ruined my entire day. <laughs> uh, regulation D offerings are advantageous to private companies or entrepreneurs that meet the requirements because funding can be obtained faster at a lower cost than with a public offering. It is usually used by smaller companies. The regulation allows capital to be raised through the sale of equity or debt securities without the need to register those securities with the SEC. It's but like none a of this really matters. Money. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, sh- it's shady as hell. Yes. <laughs> is, the, is the short answer. Yes, it's shady as hell. And now Epstein is in this world. And Wexner really gravitates toward him because he's got the New York Wall Street appeal. And Wexler is still like an Ohio guy yeah and epstein obviously is drawn drawn to wexler because he's got the money in the brains i hate this (laughs) i know i like so deeply wanted to like give you little breadcrumbs over the week but i was just like no (laughs) total train wreck surprise Um, so Wexner hires Epstein as his financial manager and eventually grants him full power of attorney over all of his assets, 20 companies, 19 trusts, and a bunch of charitable foundation, charitable foundations. So this is how he becomes a billionaire. This is literally his only client on record, like, until his death. So fun fact, uh, for the SVU podcast that I do, we just did an episode that's like about a Jeffrey Epstein type ripped from the headlines, and we were musing aloud in the in the episode he was a uh, a defense contractor, and okay. we were musing aloud like, what did Epstein do to make his billions? And I said I thought he was a Wall Street guy, and I was kind of right, but not wrong, wrong. I mean, like, I mean, like, could you be more on the nose than? This this the mo- the world's most famous pedophile billionaire making his billions, working for like the teenage mall brands. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah, great job, He's- America. <laughs> so Epstein is managing every part of Wexner's empire. In a letter to the Wexner Foundation, Les wrote that once Epstein was given the power of attorney, he had wide latitude to act on my behalf with respect to my personal finances while I was focused on building my company and undertaking philanthropic efforts. That's bullshit. The point is, though, he had access to everything and he managed everything. So he's basically the de facto CEO of all these companies. And people have commented that this was odd because Les was such a micromanager in every aspect of his business so that he just granted full power of attorney to Epstein. It's still kind of a mystery. I I mean, mean, people have speculated, like, were they lovers? It was probably a blackmail thing. Like, yep. But we don't know for sure. I mean, I'm th- I'm thinking blackmail. Yeah. And, and but what, what do you think Jeffrey Epstein could blackmail someone about? <laughs> oh, you're going to find out. Oh, I, am I? <laughs> Is it something I'm not expecting? No. It's everything you already expect. Oh, good. <laughs> um, okay. So. Viva in the future. Remember when I said... I'm um, team less. 
take that out. Nah, uh, <laughs> whatever. Just be just sit, just be wrong. <laughs> be wrong. Just be wrong. Listen to Lindsay more. Mm, that can't be. That can't be it. <laughs> All right, so Gay said that in the late 90s, there was a shift in the public perception of what was sexy, and she actually linked this to the president, Bill Clinton's affair with his intern, Monica Lewinsky. Why not? Because he has this, what's perceived as a sordid affair, which but kind of, you know, whatevs. And his approval rating actually goes up. It does, yes. <laughs> So, quote Gay, some of this risky business might be more acceptable, and Les may have realized that, and that's why he chose to drive the brand imaging into a sexier mode. So the catalog went from that, like, Ralph Lauren, Connecticut, Waspy-esque, the image of the English mm-hmm. intellectual, that goes away. In 1997, the Angels line of lingerie is introduced with a commercial featuring a bunch of models, including Tyra Banks and pop star Tom Jones is there. This is when this was kind of the marker of the change in the brand direction. So it was very day class A before this. We. Oui. Stephanie, I think it's Tom Jones. They put me in charge of the angels. We're not those kind of angels. I must have been a very good boy. I try to be an I angel. Saw the boom. She's no angel. M2. I guess anybody can be an angel. Says who? Angels, please. Victoria's Secret introduces angels. Our sheerest, shiniest, most colorful bras and panties ever. I told you never to call me here. I've had underwear thrown at me my whole life. <laughs> but it's never been Victoria's Secret. Angels only at Victoria's Secret. Yes. Please. I can't wait to hear your notes. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> expect this level of acting from Mars Attacks' Tom Jones. <laughs> More notes, please. Uh, I have seen Tom Jones in concert and seen the underwear flying at him. Really? Yeah. So the the joke is at the end of this commercial, for those of you who don't know, Tom Jones like famously gets like underwear thrown at him at his shows. I, I don't know how this really... I think it probably started in earnest, and now it's like a thing. So <laughs> I worked at the House of Blues in Boston in 2009 and 10, and um, Tom Jones came to play, and there would be women that came, you know, women that came with their daughters or their mothers or their, their entire family, and they'd have extra set of underwear in their purse, and they would put on... Like, when he took the stage, they would put on the underwear over their pants and then take them off and throw them at him. And I was... <laughs> I was working in the mezzanine, like showing people to their seats, and I was next to the GM of the building. His name was Julie Jordan, and I was like looking at the audience, uh, looking at the audience because I was helping people find their seats. And Julie was looking at the stage, and she just goes, "Oh, here they come!" And I turn <laughs> around, and it's like a tsunami. It oh is like <laughs> Hurricane Katrina of of parachuting underwear at Tom Jones. This was in two thousand and nine or so. I mean, given what we've learned or know about sweatshops and how these garments are made, this is really sad. Yeah, very sad. Um, okay, besides the... <laughs> the Tom Jones of it all? Besides the Tom Jones of it all. But that's part of it, right? Like, this is a very different message from, like, I'm English, Correct. I'm riding my horse. This is my yeah. nice, classy underwear. This right? is like This is like a bunch of hot, skinny women hanging out on a cloud in their underwear vaguely like charlie's angels ish which was also around this time 
And they're like, we're not that kind of angels. They're like saying that they're naughty. The one answers a cell phone and she's like, I told you not to call me here. So what is that? The devil calling? Or like a guy? Just like a regular guy? But they're like in heaven? Yeah, you know me. I'm the one. I never get sexual innuendo from anything. <laughs> like, oh, they're just angels. So now Victoria's Secret starts being known as the brand that puts you on the map as a supermodel. Yes. Before it was uh, Sports Illustrated Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Now it's Victoria's Secret. And these are lucrative million dollar contracts that they get. They get to you know represent the fragrances, the lingerie. There was an Angel's Jet. There was an Angel's Jet? Yeah. They're shooting commercials directed by Michael Bay. We deserve to die. We, des- <laughs> we deserve the environmental catastrophe that awaits us. <laughs> They're like explosions and like lingerie models and stilettos walking out of the explosions. Like That doesn't surprise me also the Michael Bay thing because like his like his director trademark is like starting a tracking shot on a girl's ass and then like <laughs> tilts like craning up to see what the rest of what's going on. <laughs> Um, so that, that Tom Jones was 1987. So that Mm -hmm. same year, then 27 year old model, Alicia Arden was invited to a hotel room by Jeffrey Epstein, supposedly to discuss appearing in the Victoria's Secret catalog. And so she explained that she'd been booking catalog jobs. She'd been on Baywatch. She'd done Playboy and she was auditioning for more television gigs. And the one thing that she said she felt was missing was to get into the Victoria's Secret catalog. So Epstein's in California. He sets a meeting with her at Shutter's Hotel in Santa Monica. And he tells her that he works for Victoria's Secret, brings her into his room. Yeah. I mean, I'm not defending him, but it seemed like at first blush, it was like, there's this con man that's, pounding the pavement in new york claiming to be a victoria's secret catalog guy which like i'm sure that there are many people but like he actually does work for victoria's secret as basically the ceo and he's just like yes i make all the decisions around here Come to my correct but no one besides a very few powerful men at that company know that there's even a connection that's insanity mm-hmm. so All right, so Epstein brings her into his room. He makes her get down to her bra and underwear. He grabs her. He tries to forcibly undress her. She eventually escapes, and she calls her friend, Christy, and there's a voice recording of her message, and it's like, Hi, Christy. I just came out of the hotel after meeting Jeffrey. I didn't expect that I'd have to be in bra and underwear in front of him in the hotel room. He did give me $100 cash as well. And by that time, when he was touching my butt, I felt like such a prostitute. And I put the $100 back on the table. And then he thought that it was like... And then the message trails off. So she files a police report. Good. Victoria's Secret takes no action. Huge, huge surprise also. Shocker. So that was 97. In 1999, the Victoria's Secret fashion show broke the internet. The brand new internet. They ran a Super Bowl ad inviting the audience to a live fashion show in New York streamed into their homes via webcast. So here. I mean, like, I I understand that this is like a very good marketing tool, but remember what what webcasts looked like in 1999? (laughs) It could basically be Super Mario, and like, you wouldn't (laughs) know. So this was the um, commercial. It's very bad quality. I'm sorry. The Broncos won't be there. The Falcons won't be there. You won't care. Cool. Angels. Boots. 
Victoria's Secret Fashion Show live in 72 hours, only on the World Wide Web. <laughs> Ooh, okay, great. So a million people logged into the website in the hours after the spot appeared during the Super Bowl, and a full two million turned up on the day of the fashion show. That doesn't seem like a lot now. At the time. At the time, that was massive. So this is, quote, New York Times. The lingerie company spent $1.5 million on one 30-second television spot during the Super Bowl broad- broadcast and $4 million afterwards to advertise the fashion show in newspapers internationally, yielding a bonanza of ink, video, bits, and water cooler chat worth exponentially more. Some news reports focused not on the event's success, but on the fact that some of the millions of would-be viewers were closed out of the World Wide website during the live show. There was also much ado that many who did manage to establish contact received audio and video that sputtered under the web surfing deluge. Yeah, so I think I think it's important to note about like what what the internet was in 1999, yeah. which is like mostly the older generation, like even the Gen Xers probably thought it was like a fad. It was like people around our age, maybe the younger Gen Xers and like very geared towards men. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So like what, why pray tell are you running an ad during the Super Bowl for internet users in 1999 to come to your website? I don't think it's for the. I don't think it's for ladies. I don't think you're marketing toward ladies for what some weird premonition I have. Just a hunch. Uh, back to the times. Critics chided both Victoria's Secret and Broadcast.com, the company that delivered the event over the internet, for not being prepared for this flood of visitors to the site. They wrote the whole thing off as one giant publicity stunt. No kidding. Publicity is exactly what Victoria's Secret wanted, and it got the last laugh orchestrating what might go down in the textbook as shrewd multimedia manipulation. The company reports that a million people logged on full two million turned up on the day of the fashion show that would seem to be an example of the cross-media convergence that industry pundits have been breathlessly promoting as a benefit of the web and which has happened only a few times previously in the medium's short history few advertisers using any other combination of media and subject matter could hope to amass the kind of reach and frequency that victoria's secret did with such a one-shot campaign Quote, it's no longer about advertising per se or marketing per se, but about branding and using all this multi-dimensional media, said Alan Modis, publisher of the Informationist, a beauty industry newsletter. Fashion ain't Paris anymore, and it ain't New York, and it's not Victoria's Secret 800 stores. Now, every household that has an internet connection is a fashion store. Yeah, I mean, they were really, they saw it, they saw the future, right? This is what everything is now, and, and... they make a good point which is like they weren't selling anything Mm -hmm. they were just selling the victoria's secret is the is the name to know if you want this thing yep it's pretty brilliant it was uh vogue journalist nicole phelps said victoria's secret really understood we are very hungry as a culture for beauty and beautiful people and they just sort of fed us what we all wanted so the beauty pageant of the 1950s became the victoria's secret fashion show of 1999 and on okay so former victoria's secret exec charlene ernster said in angels and demons docuseries our inspiration for the design house was femininity 
in the form of a woman's point of view, not femininity from a man's point of view. We did boards on what sex uh, we did boards on what's sexy now, and we tried to affect less, but that was always in direct opposition with how less saw sexy and how Ed saw sexy. So Ed Razik is the chief marketing officer for L Brands from 1983 to 2019. Oh, wow. Quote Charlene, Les wanted nothing to do with maternity. He wanted nothing to do with shapewear. He wanted nothing to do with comfort. It was just like, boom, this woman shot out of a cannon who was born perfect and impossible to become and then made better by push-ups and padding. So no matter what we did... Ed was going to make the decision on how our swimwear looked, how our lingerie was shot, and how that projection of our brand looked. We were just following the bombshell, unattainable single vision of how men see women. It's interesting because it, it like they say that they're committed to making this for women, doing what they think what they think women will like, asking women what they'll like, and then once as the second that that butts up against their preconceived notions. They're right. just like, no, nah, you don't know what you're talking it's about. It's simply not true. Yeah. Like, Les was so particular, it was like, they can't, these women can't have freckles. Wow. That's, that's, at that point, that's getting a little like, uh, like fetishistic, right? Mm hmm. Um, the retouching, the photoshopping was rampant. The bodies being reflected to the public in the catalogs were impossible even for the models who have come forward about their eating disorders and the pressure put on them to be thinner, thinner, thinner. One of the models, um, her name is escaping me right now, an Australian model came forward, Bridget something, and said that they threatened her. She So she wouldn't eat for days. The longest she ever went not eating was three days. And she was shaming herself because she wanted to go for five days, but she couldn't without like passing out. And when she gained half an inch around her hips, they threatened her with, you're not going to work. You're too fat. Great. You loving this? You having a I, good time? <laughs> I, I am. I am not loving this. It feels like, I mean, and it's stuff that we all participated in in one way or another right mm -hmm. and it just feels so icky and like a different planet like if like it feels kind of alien to me now but i mm -hmm. know that this is like a very much still going on and b in another 20 years we'll say like i can't believe we did like blank back in 2022 so yeah, I, it makes the the march of time is often very uncomfortable, and I'm feeling that right now. I mean, right now there's a huge discussion about this medication that's for diabetes, diabetes and obesity right. that Hollywood and people with of means are taking right now. I don't really want to call out any women because I don't really want to add to the culture of picking apart women's bodies. Yeah. But when I, I see some of these women who have historically been what has been in my mind, a breath of fresh air of a different body type that's finally reflected back. And now they're rail thin. It's really upsetting. Yeah. And there are, there are several people in the public eye. I will, I will kind of follow your lead and not mention people's names, but there are several people in the public eye who have bigger bodies or are in bigger bodies, and then it's like 99.999% women where there's this like concern trolling online of like, oh man, like 
I'm not, I don't care that this person's big. I just worry about her health. Yep. And then they get skinny via whatever, whatever means they get to get skinny. And everyone's like, oh, you're, oh, it's great. But like, is that, that feels very weird. And like, like losing that much weight is also super unhealthy. <laughs> it's always the, un- now you're unhealthy. Now you're unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> You look so good before. Why did you do this? It's like you can't win, right? Yeah. Making stuff about people's bodies, is just you just can't win. Yeah. So I only bring this up because, you know, you're saying this. It, sure, this feels like another planet. But at the same time, yeah, heroin chic is literally back. That feels crazy to me. <laughs> just let women eat. Let people be attracted to whatever they're attracted to, too. Like, like the fact that this is ca- it's capitalism all along again, right? Where like yep. we are teaching people what is attractive so that we can sell them hamburgers or whatever, and we're like manipulating generations worth of men and women to like give themselves eating disorders or put holes in their body or whatever, whatever else it is, right? Yes. And why are we doing this to, to sell, sell hamburgers? To sell. Do you remember John Luke Brunel from the Epstein case? No. He was a modeling agent in Paris in 1988. He's exposed by 60 Minutes for sexually trafficking underage girls. Oh, good. Literally 1988. This is exposed. So he goes to New York and he piles up with Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. Um, if you Google him today, he's mostly referred to as Epstein's pimp. And he allegedly hanged himself in his prison cell last oh, year. Oh, good. Yeah. But in the early 2000s, Epstein gives Brunel $1 million to start MC Squared, which is a modeling agency out of South oh, Florida. you know what? This is also represented in the SVU episode. It is? Yeah. Interesting. The, the modeling agent who is just like, nope, Jeff likes him young. Girls. Um, okay, so, yep, MC Squared, South Florida, has offices in Tel Aviv and New York City. Great. And Brunel starts grooming models, and he's getting them visas and putting them up in Epstein's apartment in New York. What could so go wrong? this is Ill- legally allowing Epstein to bring girls into the U.S. under the guise of modeling. And as we know, they were usually introduced to Ghislaine first. Yes. And then she takes them to see Epstein. And then many others. So Wexner tells Vanity Fair in 2003 that Epstein, quote, is very smart with excellent judgment and high standards. And he's always the most loyal friend. He, Wexner sold Epstein a jet plane for well below market value. That no. he used to traffic no. underage girls. No, the and Lolita the media Express has nicknamed it Lolita, correct? Yeah. Oh, that wasn't uh, the actual name of it? I literally thought that was the actual name of the aircraft. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Epstein and Wexner are remarkably close. And Wexner has this enormous estate in Albany, Ohio, New Albany, Ohio, with a guest house that is sold to Jeffrey Epstein. Now, Maria Farmer met Epstein in 1996. She was an art student. Epstein offered her the opportunity to stay at Wexner's estate and where she could have great light and paint. 
So she goes and she's brought to the guest house, which is Epstein's house. And security is really tight on her and it's kind of freaking her out. She's not allowed to go outside without, quote, explicit permission. And there's guard dogs on the property. They tell her this. They're like, don't go outside. There's guard dogs. They'll get you. And a month into her stay, she's assaulted by Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Weird. Weird how when when the first time you arrive, they're like, don't try to leave. Hey, I know you might be thinking about leaving. Just don't. Like, so so fucked up. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because, you know, obviously it relates directly back to Les Wexner. Mm-hmm. She locks herself in her room. She calls 911 and they hung up on her. So then she called the local police and they say, we're already on the property guarding Wexner's home and gate. So she's trapped. Like they're working yeah. for Wexner. This is some like Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit. So she's held against her will for 12 hours before she's allowed to leave the property. And the security records of this miraculously disappear, but an investigation with the FBI showed that they do exist. Oh, double weird. (laughs) And then when the story breaks, the Wexners tell reporters that they have nothing to do with it, that Epstein's house is just one of hundreds in a developed community that they own. When in reality, it was impossible to even access Epstein's house without going through Wexner's personal gate. Which was guarded by the local police. Correct. Not private police, the local municipal police. Correct. And... Cool. Maria Farmer's summer driver's license literally has Lex Wexner's home address on it that she got that summer. Why? I don't know. It's fucking weird. Why did she get a new license or did she just... I don't know. But they, they showed it on the documentary. This feels a little like Ted Nugenty, like he's like like Wes Wexner's gonna like adopt her. Farmer accuses Wexner's wife, Abigail, of acquiescence while Epstein and Maxwell were sexually assaulting her and imprisoned her under security guard. And then the Wexners claim they've never even heard of her, never met her, didn't know nothing about her. Good. Great. So Epstein is also influencing Ed Razek. Remember I told you about him. Yeah, Ed Razik is the MC Squared guy? No, that was Brunel, the pimp. So Ed Razik was the chief marketing officer. Right. And he's he's like the man behind the fashion show. He developed the concept of the angels. So Razik developed the concept of the Victoria's Secret Angels, and he's behind the fashion show, and the fashion show is known for the big elaborate wings. The angels. Hello, angels. Those wings were actually inspired by the 2003 HBO miniseries, Angels in America. What? So, you know Angels in America? Yeah. It's about AIDS. Yep. Um, It was based on the 1991 Pulitzer Prize winning play by Tony Kushner. It revolves around six New Yorkers whose lives intersect... We've got a gay man living with AIDS who's visited by an angel. And I think the angel is uh, Emma Thompson. Yes. Yeah, it is. In the, and in the film. she has these huge wings. So the guy that created the wings is called Martin. He's named Martin Esquardo. And so he creates the wing. He's approached by Ed to create the wings for Victoria's Secret. And he does. And just so just to clarify, 
The movie came out in 2003. The Wings for Victoria's Secret started earlier than that because we watched a 97 commercial. So it seems like The Wings are based on the play, which was from 91. No, The Wings no. are just getting more and more elaborate. Based on what they saw in the movie for... Yes, and, and they're like, this is the stake they're putting in the ground. Like, mm-hmm. the angels if are angels the same. wings, yeah. <laughs> yes, angels have wings. But where other brands might have been evolving their image, they are just really going harder and harder on the angel wings, right. basically. Models are fighting over who gets to wear the wings. The angels are the most elite group of models. And it's also around this time that Lex decides to start marketing to an even younger audience with, as you mentioned, the pink line. This was designed to target tweens and teens. And so where the mantra for Victoria's Secret was fantasy, the idea behind pink was FOMO. Right. They wanted girls to feel like they're missing out. This was legit the marketing strategy. Make girls feel worse about themselves. Missing out on the like adults, the you know, what they could be doing if they were fully realized adults. Yeah, sexy, having naked pillow fights. So we there are several like think piece articles about why kids grow up so fast now and why like 13-year-olds are uh, or 12-year-olds or 11-year-olds are like very savvy about the ways of the world and sex and all this stuff. And like this is, this is it. This is the moment. This right? is. Cool. It was orchestrated. And nothing bad ever happened. Ever again. Yeah, right. The pink mu- runway shows were really gross. I mean, you had models wearing balloons, em- toy embellishments, sucking on lollipops as props. Um, Very sexy babies. And in 2006, Epstein is arrested for, solici- for solicitation and prostitution of teenagers. And this is Wexner's closest advisor. Weird. I wonder what advice he gave him. So Epstein just gets a little slap on the wrist, 18 mm-hmm. months in Palm Beach, 12 months of house arrest at his beach house, and then he goes back to business as usual. Yep. Rich people have a different legal system, by the way. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. This, this is it. <laughs> 2011, 2012, 2013. These are golden years for Victoria's Secret. The fashion show, the angels, they're all at its peak. Victoria's Secret owns more than 40% of the market in the U.S. But... You, were you worried? I am so worried. Don't worry. The downfall is coming fast and furious. Good. In 2014, they put out a perfect body campaign. Major backlash for Victoria's Secret over its new ad campaign. Critics say the perfect body campaign sends an unhealthy and damaging message to women. ABC's Rena Nyden has the story. This morning, an ad for Victoria's Secret undergarments is under fire. Sure, it shows those same famous angels we see on TV all the time. But the problem, many say, with this ad posted on their website, I mean, this is what's really, written across really the bad. bodies of the ten <laughs> tall, thin models, the perfect body. Those three small because but powerful it's, it's words also igniting like outrage. Digitally... When someone looks at that, the tendency those aren't real bodies. Yeah, those are super digitally manipulated as well. Victoria's Secret says the word body in the ad refers to the company's Body by Victoria line of lingerie. But college student Gabriella Contaridis says it's hard not to catch a double meaning. They've run some really good and really positive 
campaigns in the past, and I'm quite no, surprised to see this coming from them. Now, Contraridis and two of her friends have created this petition on change.org, calling on Victoria's Secret to change the wording on their advertisements for their bra range body to something that does not promote unhealthy and unrealistic standards of beauty. Thousands of supporters sign in in just one week. The three women also launching the now viral hashtag, I am perfect, prompting hundreds of tweets. We hope that they'll start thinking about their future campaigns and maybe not promote such unrealistic ones in the future. Victoria's Secret is not commenting at this time, but that perfect body ad is still online. And Ad's in still on. So, so wait, I have, I have a question. And, yeah. and I would like your help unpacking this. Okay. This might be internalized misogyny on my part. Okay. Or my reading of this is accurate or somewhere in between, which is like this news piece feels deeply unserious. Right. Like mm -hmm. it feels like all of these campaigns and stuff to like change, change things seem to always be put in in the category of like these crazy women. What do they think of next? Like a change dot org petition is like so in effect. Like, what is that going to do? Who they don't care about that. Well, it was 2014. Sure. Did people care about change dot org petitions in 2014? I have no idea. I guess maybe we thought they did. I think we thought they did. And yeah. like the viral hashtag, it just seems like kind of cringy, like their methods of, of going about change. And I also think that that's how that's presented by the news organization, by Good Morning America, which is like kind of a news organization, which is like, oh, these these women are starting, they're starting their letter writing campaign to get Victoria's <laughs> Secret to change their ways. I mean, I see it both ways because yeah. it's giving airtime to a campaign that would otherwise just maybe be a letter writing campaign yeah, have no oxygen that's a good point at the same time yes let the college women speak could they have brought in other sources to talk about it on a more in-depth and more serious level yes they could yeah right like yeah. we spend hours debating sports <laughs> yeah i mean even just bring in a psychologist they, they like talk yeah. like body image expert bring in a psychologist yeah. be like the braid of eating disorders is through the roof it's correlated right. to this like right this is a real thing and it does not seem like good morning america is treating it like a real thing it seems like a, a more of like a human interest piece and that's good morning america for you yeah i think that that also might be it but what i don't know if this was dead if if NBC Nightly News was dedicating anything to this either. Yeah, I watched a few different ad spots on this, and this was oddly like the quote-unquote best one. Mm. So, yeah, it wasn't getting very serious treatment in the news. Yeah. But the awareness was growing that Victoria's Secret is not what it pretends to be. Yeah, it's just a fetish site for the CEO and his famous pedophile buddy. <laughs> yes, it was. So brands like Dove and Lane Bryant shot back with their body inclusive ads like this one from Lane Bryant. Which also seemed kind of cringy to me. Let me, let me take a, uh, before I, before I stick that flag in the ground, let me take another look at it. I'm just sending you the Lane Bryant one, but also yeah. Lane Bryant was owned by L brands. Oh, good. Oh, this is also this is also very much. I have thoughts about this. 
The plus-size clothing chain Lane Bryant takes on Victoria's Secret in a new Wait, ad. What? It features models with the hashtag I'm no angel. CBS 2's Jill Nicolini explains. You want to meet my girls? It's not the typical lingerie ads you're used to seeing. Jesus. These plus-size models are part of a new ad campaign so. for Lane Bryant's Cacique Intimates. It was very nice and it's re very refreshing for everyone to be just comfortable Good. and buy it. to see real women, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm no angel. I'm no, I'm angel. no angel. This is I'm just all kinds of sexy. The I'm no angel campaign. Okay. A commercial for Victoria's Secret. All women are sexy, regardless of society's okay. tradition so or stereotypes. Okay, so I have many <laughs> conflicting <laughs> thoughts about this, in fact. <laughs> Tell me. So, I understand that they're both owned by the same person, but there are entirely different companies and cultures at at these different places, right? Right. So, the decision-making could legitimately be different. Of like, oh, we fucking hate... Victoria's Secret, so we're gonna do we're gonna do something that like elevates other people's bodies. That's thought one. Thought two is this guy's kind of a micromanager, and it feels like that scene in Elvis where the Colonel is selling "I love Elvis" buttons and I hate yes, Elvis buttons. Yes, and I hate Elvis buttons. <laughs> and my third thought is like, this is also like deeply cringy because it's saying like, look at us, the freaks over at Table Nine. We're people too. <laughs> like, like you. <laughs> The the true the true like growth would be like a do away with these all together, but be like everybody is together, not just like the fat people get their fat commercials for their <laughs> fat store. So like all three of those, they're all fighting in my head. All three of those thoughts and feelings. I don't blame you. I th I don't think that there's um, any resolution, and. There's no black and white, and, oh, and awareness is thought. awareness. There's yeah, a fourth go ahead. thought, which is that people will get upset at this, right? Yeah. This is like doing the literal bare minimum and doing it poorly, and people will get upset at this. The, the conservatives will get upset at this, and then when we have an opportunity for real progress, the company will have the opportunity to be like, well, we tried nothing, and that didn't work, so we have to like... <laughs> Now we really can't do anything. Yeah, well, they're going to keep digging themselves no. deeper and deeper. So, just a little... That was 2014. Mm -hmm. Then 2015, this is just a little background story. Um, a PR employee was on set with Ed Razik, and there's a lunch buffet. A lunch buffet. And she's going up to get food, and she said, Ed physically stopped me and said, are you really going to get more food? And she said, I just kind of froze. He's like, I really don't know how you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. And What's he's this doing. What guy look like? <laughs> oh, look him up. Spell his name. He looks like Jeffrey Epstein. Ed R-A-Z-E-K. Cool. So he's doing this to her in front of the world's most famous supermodels who don't eat. You know, like this mm -hmm. to me is just such psychological warfare. And she it's just being a fucking dick, man. Like, like it is it is psychological manipulation because he's like pointing to all these things. But like, how dare you? Even if the other models weren't there, even if you're just like talking to like, don't ever comment like about what someone's eating. What the fuck it's is wrong? Fun with you? for him. It's yeah, literally fun. For right. Him. He gets his. Well, but that's what the, all of them. All of them get their rocks off, like yeah. making these girls dance like puppets. 
So that was 2015. 2016, their profits are trending downward and they continue to decline. The Me Too Too movement is ramping up in the wake of Harvey Weinstein accusations. Weinstein, by the way, had worked with Ed Razek for the 2000 fashion show. And there are plenty of sexual harassment allegations against Razik, too. This is from the New York Times. Whose career survived this incident with the PA for another five years until he retired. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Quote New York Times. Razik, for decades, one of the top executives at L Brands, the parent company of Victoria's Secret, was the subject of repeated complaints about inappropriate conduct. He tried to kiss models. He asked them to sit on his lap. He touched one's crotch ahead of the 2018 Victoria's Secret fashion show. Executives said they had alerted Leslie Wexner, the billionaire founder and chief executive of L Brands, about his deputy's pattern of behavior. Some woman who complained faced retaliation. One no. model, Andy Muse, said Victoria's Secret had stopped hiring her for its fashion shows after she rebuffed Mr. Razik's advances. See also our Blurred Lines episode. Ugh. Alyssa Miller, who had been an occasional Victoria's Secret model, described Mr. Razik as someone who exuded toxic masculinity. She summed up his attitude as, I'm the holder of the power. I can make or break you. Period. But sentence. in 2019, Razik's baby, the Victoria's Secret show, gets canceled. Okay, good. <laughs> um, Ed made some transphobic comments that went viral in a Vogue interview. The angels will never have dicks. A Vogue interviewer had been pressing him on the brand's lack of diversity in the wake of the Savage by Fenty show. It yeah, was right. wildly popular for its diversity on the runway. And, and so it the- has different body types. Right. Diversity, I mean, in yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah, of diversity. Yeah. Um, so the Vogue reporter asked, I want to talk about... So she she had been pressing him about um, Fenty, and he was dismissive about it. Um, and so then she asks, I want to talk about the Instagram generation. I assume you have lots of data. Do you see a shifting desire or shifting needs? Are they looking for something new from Victoria's Secret? Quote Ed. It's like, why doesn't your show do this? Shouldn't you have transsexuals in the show? No, no, I don't think we should. Well, why not? Because the show is a fantasy. It's a 42-minute entertainment special. That's what it is. It is the only one of its kind in the world, and any other fashion brand in the world would take it in a minute, including the competitors that are carping at us. And they carp at us because we're the leader. They don't talk about each other. I accept that. I actually respect it. Cool, but We are nobody's third love. We're their first love. And Victoria's Secret has been women's first love from the beginning. That feels like (laughs) the lady doth protest too much. Like, like, like the answer, hey, do you want diverse people? Do you want trans people in your show? And he's like, first of all, the other companies are jealous of us. And the networks love us. And for (laughs) that reason, no. Which like doesn't make any sense but it's very telling that he's talking about fantasy right and so he's like we're selling fantasy so let's take a pause i'm going to put my my transphobic hat on right okay if i'm a transphobe i view trans women as men who are fantasizing about being women right yes i guess so why wouldn't i want to sell people like that my product 
because he's a transphobe and well, a misogynist. Because, well, because he's a transphobe. But he, but even if he were a transphobe, he would like think that the the fantasy was. It it just is very telling that the fantasy he's referring to is his own, right? Because that is if the, the only f- fantasy he's ever been interested in. Exactly, because if he was talking about the fantasy of the of the user of the of the customer, then he would. It is like very a very good business model to put a to like open up your market to like a type of person all kinds of fantasies so like it's just like he he really logicked himself into a hole there he's he's literally so short-sighted that he does believe that he is the audience in the same interview he said that the audience has quote no interest in seeing plus size models on the runway there it is we know that's not true the same year that Ed's getting canceled. Right. Jeffrey Epstein allegations resurface. Wexter is claiming he had no idea about any of this, and he claims that he immediate cut t- immediately cut ties with Epstein after his first arrest. Cool. But documents show that after his first arrest, L. Brands actually helped Epstein out with his legal defense. One of his accusers had worked for Victoria's Secret and their legal department sent her employee records to Epstein and his team, claiming that she had been fired for merchandise theft. These records had not been subpoenaed. Wexner sent them over voluntarily to paint a negative picture of Epstein's accuser. Yeah, great. (laughs) In July 2019, Wexner made a statement that he was never aware of the illegal activity charged in Epstein's indictment. He goes public saying that Epstein mismanaged millions of his dollars and he's painting himself as a a victim of Epstein now. It's around this time that journalist Tim Farron got a tip that he should investigate certain charitable funds that were associated with with Les Wexner and one of them is called the YLK Fund and these are his wife Abigail's initials. This fund was created around the time of Epstein's first case in Florida. Wait, wait, YLK is Abigail? Where, where's Abigail in there? Yabigail? No, it's his wife's, Abigail's father's initials. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this fund was created around the time of Epstein's first case in Florida. And the president of the fund is named as Abigail. Okay. And there was about $46 million in there put by Epstein. And it's a legal defense fund? We don't know what it is. It's a fund named after her father. That Epstein put $46 million in during the time of his first case. Okay. Um, I feel like that's like reverse. Bl- now, now it's Wexner who's like, $46 million, please, or else I'm going to tell people what I know. So Les's public excuse is that Epstein stole this money from him and was quietly putting it back at that time. But he never pursued him for stealing millions and millions of dollars like he claims he did. And people who know less say this doesn't make any sense. That's not him. Just to roll over and allow a criminal to steal millions. And And estimates are that Wexner paid Epstein over $400 million during their tenure together. So this is from a 2021 Vanity Fair article by Gabriel Sherman called The Mogul and the Monster Inside Jeffrey Epstein's Decades-Long Relationship with His Biggest Client. Two years after guards discovered Epstein unconscious in his Manhattan prison cell, the pedophile's life and mysterious death remain a subject of speculation and conspiracy theorizing. 
Was Epstein an intelligence agent, a debased financial genius, a sociopathic con man who fleeced billionaires and politicians with sexual blackmail? We're thinking he was an intelligence agent? Some, Yeah, okay. that's out there. In a search for answers, I spent the past... This is Gabriel. In a search for answers, I spent the past six months investigating the Epstein mystery that could unlock others. How did he get his money? For it was Epstein's half-billion-dollar fortune that enabled him to sexually abuse and traffic hundreds of girls on multiple continents. Quote, there's no question that Epstein could not have done what he did without the support of people that provided him money, said attorney David Boaz, Boys, whose firm represents numerous Epstein accusers, including Virginia Roberts, Goofrey, Goofrey, these names. Um, but until recently, Epstein's sole publicly named client was Les Wexner. So he got $500 million at least mm-hmm. from maybe only one person mm-hmm. and then returned like 46 of that back. Maybe. Maybe. Mm, yeah, all this sounds super on the level. <laughs> so Wexner retired in 2020. He remains the richest man in Ohio. <laughs> it's so fucking weird that he's just still in Ohio. Yeah. In 2021, Victoria's Secret replaced the Angels with the Victoria's Secret Collective, who they selected for quote-unquote diversity and activism. It included Haley Bieber, Bella Hadid, and Priyanka Chopra. Okay. A bit performative. A lot of people say it's too little too late. When they're trying to remake their brand and do this whole collective thing and show diverse women who, by and large, are still what you would call traditionally attractive, they hired a the first female CEO, and her name was Amy Hawk. This information was brought to Jax, right? Like, she's asked, why are you going up against this brand that's clearly trying to change? And this is her response to Variety. The intention of the song was never to go up against any specific brand. The whole point was to go up against the whole culture. There are a bunch of young girls my age running marketing over there and hardworking models. This is no knock on the models. Those are powerful, beautiful girls. But at the same time, it's not exactly my job to keep up with the growth of a corporation. I just need to write songs about my truth and tell my story. And I feel bad that there has to be some damage control on that front because I did that. The point of the song is he, I guess Lex, Les, realized he was getting called out by a culture of women standing up for themselves. So then he liquidated all the money and ghosted and went off the grid. Now we're all sitting here with body problems and he has billions of dollars. And that doesn't sit right with me. So a month after Victoria's Secret came out, July 2022, the song, I had told you about Amy Hawk, the first female CEO Mm -hmm. of Victoria's Secret. She put out the following statement. Jax's latest single, Victoria's Secret, has has resonated with many of her fans, including me. I want to thank Jax for addressing important issues in her lyrics. We make no excuses for the past, and we're committed to regaining your trust. I believe that to create trust, you need to get comfortable being vulnerable, admitting you are wrong, shaking your struggles. It's first step to the meaningful connection. Our transformation is a journey, and every day we are working hard to advocate for all women, including the 25,000 who work for us. As CEO of Victoria's Secret and Pink, I can wholeheartedly say that we are committed to building a community where everyone feels seen and respected. And if we mess up or can do better, we want to know. We truly value your voice and are working to find new ways to listen and bring you into the conversation. 
this poor woman is like super set up to fail. Like there's there's no winning for her. Funny you should mention that because four months later she resigned. Well, okay, great. And this man, Martin Waters, who was the CEO of Victoria's Secret and Co. Like very unclear to me how Victoria's Secret and Co. is different than Victoria's Secret brand and Pink, but it's like shell just, companies on shell companies on shell yeah. companies. He just quote added her duties to his own. Also, like, don't apologize for anything, Jax. Fuck them. I also do believe that she wasn't writing about anything, any one thing in sp- in particular, and just the entire culture. Because if she was writing about Victoria's Secret specifically, there'd be like a third verse about how they're fucking pedophile enablers. Totally. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if she even knew about that at the time that she wrote the song. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like like the Barbie Girl thing. Victoria's Secret is not just the trademark brand anymore. It is an idea. And you know whose fault that is? Victoria's Secrets. Les Wexner. Les Wexner. Whoever, like, did the... Ed Razick. Yeah, all the people that, that wanted it to be a household name, well, it is now. You're welcome. Ugh. Look what that did for women. <laughs> so this week... I wanted. I'm just going to tell the story. Tell I the wanted story. to go out on this song, and I Sorry, used to listen to definitely it exists. in high school with my friend Ashley, who I've texted, but she has not gotten back to me yet. And it was, I thought maybe it was Joe, but I couldn't, it, it wasn't. And it was like, something, 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 Victoria's Secret thongs, you know it turns me on. And I can't, we used to sing it when we were drive to ballet, and I can't find the song. If you know the song, <laughs> where email can you us get at us? At lyrics for lunch on Instagram and Twitter, and at gmail.com. So, what are we uh, actually going out on this week? Just nothing. No, we this week we are actually going out on Victoria's Secret goes metal. Yes. I was going <laughs> to ask if you knew about this <laughs> with Harper, who is another child that Jax may or may not babysit yeah so Jax has been been really really great at um kind of grassroots marketing of her own music with other girls from around the world there's like a a video that there's a girl in England was like super obsessed with um with Victoria's Secret and Jax like flew her out to sing it with her at a concert she's just like very great at this um, she did a flash mob outside of Victoria's yeah, Secret. Yeah, <laughs> she's just like she or her or her team or whoever is just like brilliant marketers, and it seems like doing a lot of good for women and girls everywhere. Thank you, Jax. Thank you, Jax. So, so this Harper was also on on um, America's Got Talent. Yes. So maybe they don't, maybe she doesn't babysit. <laughs> Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter. And for longer and weirder stuff, send us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. I'm tuning next week when we do this all over again with another song that's going to make you long for the climate apocalypse. <laughs> and until then, I'm Aviva Rubenstein. I'm Lindsay Tucker saying, dude, 
Sorry.